Good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening. Folks, thank you very, very much for listening today. Today is the 3rd of August, year of our Lord, 2020. Welcome to another episode of Shoot the J. This is the first episode that we've had since the bubble has returned, the first episode since the inaugural Motown Noah Awards. Uh, so, although I haven't been able to watch every single game, uh, we're going to do some very quick highlights of the ones that I have been able to watch, some quick bullet point thoughts, and then we're going to go back into the Milwaukee Bucks-Rockets game last night, and sort of a little bit what scares me um, about the Bucks moving forward into the playoffs when they eventually make their, well, inevitable championship run. So, let's see, let's just try to do some quick bullet points. Uh, Kyle Lowry was amazing against the Lakers, especially in that late fourth quarter. Like he's pretty much doing everything by himself, and the really the only word that you can use to describe him is annoying, and like he's just like drawing charges everywhere. I think now he leads the league in charges drawn. He was tied with Montrezl Harrell, who's not playing, so I believe it's now Kyle Lowry that is in the lead. Um, but Kyle Lowry's a guy who like with the All Star game, people were really mad that he was taking charges in the All Star game, but and they're like, why are you trying that hard? But if he doesn't do that, then it's, oh, nobody plays defense in the All-Star game. It's like, it's you got to pick one. We cannot have both. We get, You, you got to pick one. Um, Kyle Lowry was amazing. Showed us why he's... Also, the Raptors eclipsed their Vegas win total, like the over, for the eighth consecutive year. And also, Kyle Lowry's been the Raptors point guard for eight consecutive years. So basically, take the over on the Raptors as long as Kyle Lowry's at the helm. Um, with LeBron, it was like with the Clippers game and the Raptors game, there's one of two things is going to happen on every possession that you watch the Lakers, and if LeBron is the one that does anything, which more often than not he is, one of two things will happen, and I experienced it on pretty much every other possession with him. You're either looking at him and you're like, it's year 17, right, and he's he's not slow, like he's still LeBron. It's still the same guy we've always known, and it's a marvel. It's incredible. And I'll never, I'll never get used to it. How good he is at this age. And then you just sometimes on some possessions you're just like he just doesn't care. Sometimes he'll just like piss away a possession just because he can. In any other instance, if it's like like if Kuz did that, like when he put up a unprompted, just throws up a thirty footer, which was the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life with time on the clock. Like if Kuz does something like that, I'm like get him out of the game, trade him. Why is he in the league? With LeBron, I'm like that's Bron. So that's probably not very healthy. Um, what else was there? Well, uh, despite the fact that the Kings were horrendous against the Magic, uh, De'Aaron Fox did look a little bit more confident in his shot, especially in that first half and mainly the first quarter, uh, which was nice to see because there's been a lot of, like I guess, tentativeness uh, through like the tail end of the year because he was battling like nine different injuries at the same time, and I think he's still dealing with some of them, and I believe he just had an ankle problem flare up, something like that. So to see him play that confidently, even though the shots weren't going in, that was kind of nice. And sometimes he was just missing open reads, which was kind of annoying, and deferring to himself, relying on himself to take a shot. That wasn't – I didn't care much for that. Uh, Nurkic, very happy to see him back for Portland. And then ultimately I think the one thing that the NBA is doing a really, really good job of, I think most people were like, oh, like don't put in crowd noise, like – we want to hear the players. We want to hear the coaches. Like, we want to hear everything that's being said uh, on the floor. And while admittedly, uh, yes, that would still be amazing, and that would be, like, must-see television, um, the delay on the 
uh, broadcast would have to be greater than it already is, which is what's like seven seconds. So it'd have to be a lot bigger. And then the sensors would have to be even more. You know what I mean? Like, it's going to be a nightmare for the NBA. It's a dream for us, but a nightmare for the league. And I think pumping in the crowd noise and having, like, the virtual fans there via Zoom, uh, playing the music, you know, sort of trying to incorporate the quote-unquote normal sights and sounds of an NBA game, uh, it makes things feel normal for, like, two hours. And it's kind of refreshing. And I think the NBA is doing a really, really good job, uh, like, creating their own atmosphere. And there are some things, like, the fan experience, like uh, I think it was Jeff Van Gundy pointed this out on the broadcast last night for the Rockets-Bucks game. You know, when the, when the players come out of the locker room to open the game and you can feel the fan energy and that's kind of what gets you going a little bit, obviously that's missing. There are some things that you can't replicate. Uh, that's one of them. That kind of sucks, but ultimately I think the league is doing uh, a really, really good job. Oh, and then uh, before we move on to the next thing, I don't want to forget this. Uh, try as you like. Uh, Destiny arrives all the same with TJ Warren, and he's going to do whatever he wants. Good for him, because I remember, well, I think everybody was really upset that the Pistons didn't trade for him. And then after seeing what the trade actually was, what Jeff Bauer just was like, here, Indiana, like, take TJ Warren from us for virtually nothing. Uh, I think everybody was a little mad that they didn't get TJ Warren. Now, before we go into the uh, Milwaukee Bucks, Houston, the biggest detriment to the Bucks defense, that whole thing. Very quickly, we're going to have a second ad in this episode, and that is this. Over the last, like, two, maybe three weeks, uh, I've been I've had the opportunity to kind of get my foot in the door with this uh, app that's currently in, I guess, beta testing. It's called Locker Room. Now, TBD as to when it's actually going to be released publicly, I haven't really been given any information on that. But let me very quickly break down what exactly this is. So Locker Room is essentially a new element to the live broadcasting slash fan experience that we have uh, with sports. And in my experience with the app, here's essentially how it works. So if me and uh, Duncan Smith, we'll just use Duncan Smith as an example. If him and I wanted to go live and record a podcast together uh, and you guys could listen to it live, what we would do is we could schedule a time, schedule a date, and you guys would be able to see when exactly that's going to come up so you know when to tune in. As soon as it starts, you will see uh, the two of us up on the quote-unquote stage at the top of the screen, and then you'll see everyone else that's listening down below. At any given moment, Duncan or I, well, I guess it's only the host that can do it, uh, the host, so let's just say it was me, uh, if... Christian Wood, if Andre Drummond, Luke Kennard, if somebody was listening and we wanted them to come up on stage and join us and talk with us, uh, all we have to do is tap their icon. They'll get a request uh, to, to come up and speak. All they have to do is accept it, and boom, now they're with us, and you're listening to all three of us. Uh, there's a little discussion slash questions tab, so it's the way that I explained it yesterday was think Periscope without the video aspect. Right now, that's what it is, and I was told that uh, eventually uh, they're working on being able to actually archive the episodes um so like right now once you're done recording that's it you can't go back and listen to it i was told uh that that is an element that's being added and it's really fun i really i thoroughly enjoy it like playing around with the app the interface is really really fun uh it's really it's easily accessible we already have some uh former athletes former executives on there like Sam Hinkie's on there and you guys know how much I love Sam Hinkie Matthew Dellavedova's on there there's some other players and execs on there that I've seen uh we got some like actual front office executives from like the Warriors um I'm on there of course Snell season is also on there um 
ultimately, I think Locker Room is doing a really, really good job creating this sort of unique fan experience. Um, and honestly, it would almost be a way to, uh, like, if you guys had synced up, like, if we're all watching a Pistons game together and you tuned into, uh, I don't, I guess I don't know if you want to call it a stream, my broadcast, uh, I could almost be, like, calling the game. I don't know what the delay on is exactly, so maybe that wouldn't be a great idea. But Locker Room. Coming soon, when there's a definitive date, I will let everybody know as soon as possible. I'm very excited to see how you guys enjoy it uh, and how you know we can all interact on there. Very excited for that. So now, let's move on to the Milwaukee Bucks and the Houston Rockets game last night. And a lot of what I'm about to say, uh, things that I said in last night's recap, um, but I, I had a lot that I wanted to go into with a lot of those points. So I and I obviously the two minute twenty second threshold isn't a long time. So I'm gonna try to do that now. Uh, so bear with me. Some of the things you've heard me say. Some of the things are really obvious. So everybody was saying them. Uh, things like at some point uh, the Rockets cannot have an open guy on the wing. It can't happen on every single drive. The one thing about the Bucks that we know is that whenever they lose this year, I'd say seventy five percent of their thirteen losses. We're at the hands of a team who had a franchise best uh, three-point performance. Now, technically, the Rockets didn't do that last night, but they did attempt 63s, which I believe tied, not surpassed, but tied the NBA record for most three-pointers attempted in regulation. Uh, Pretty shocking that they didn't uh, eclipse it, but uh, 60. They attempted 63s, which Daryl Morey had to have been in heaven with that game. The three-point creation and just the overall shot creation in that game, the ability to get to the line uh, was off the charts. Now, where it didn't really pan out was in the regard that we always knew it wouldn't, uh, the rebounding disparity. And I don't have the numbers in front of me right now. Uh, It was brutal. I mean, Brooke Lopez was doing whatever he wanted. Even Dante DiVincenzo grabbed a few offensive boards. And that's not to slight Dante. It's just to slight, I guess, the Rockets' size. Um, And I can't even be mad at Houston because they played a phenomenal game and lost in all of it was Russell Westbrook, who ended up having an amazing game. I think he had 28 on 48%, something like that, Um, 82% from the line. Russ was amazing. James Harden was, I I think, just fine. I didn't, you know, he was just fine. Giannis was exceptional. Uh, Chris was uh, dat boy in the, uh, what, the first half. And then in the second half, he just kind of wasn't there, and it was really frustrating to watch. But then came Brooke Lopez, who around the rim uh, and just on the boards, mainly on the offensive boards, was absolutely exceptional. Then you run into this problem of Sterling Brown and DJ Wilson having to play minutes at all. Um, DJ didn't play that many, but Sterling I played a considerable amount. He played enough to that for all of us to notice that he was in the game for way too long. And that's kind of where you run into a problem with the Bucks, I guess, is – you know, we can preach all that we want, how it's always next man up with them, that there's always going to be someone to fill a void that is left behind by somebody. Like last night, it was Eric Bledsoe and Dante and uh, George Hill were MIA, just nowhere to be found. Uh, you're also missing Pat Connaughton. And because of that, you're seeing a lot of Sterling Brown minutes and you're seeing uh, some DJ Wilson minutes and it sucks. And I guess there is, believe it or not, a point where if the Bucks have to really go deep into their depth, uh, you do run into a little bit of a problem. And I was really discouraged to see this the the carelessness and the irresponsibility with which the Bucks were handling the basketball at sometimes. Was it 14 turnovers in the first half? 
Um, I think the uh, also points in the paint also was just through the roof. I remember it was late in the fourth. It was like fifty-four to fourteen advantage Milwaukee. I how I don't even. It's borderline impossible. Uh, but that's what the Rockets do, man. When you play a game of mathematics and 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 probabilities, you can beat anyone. You can beat absolutely anybody, and it's really fun. Like I I really enjoy that. I a hundred percent understand why somebody wouldn't enjoy watching that, but I really did. Uh, but when you are prioritizing these double teams on James Harden and sometimes Russell Westbrook, you can't, you just, you gotta, you gotta make a decision at some point. And honestly, you almost want to let James Harden get his a little bit just to close out the possibility of everybody getting theirs. Cause I know PJ Tucker in that first half was 0 for six from three. I think he was 0 for two in the first 0 for four in the second and then at halftime, he's out on the floor and he's practicing threes and he's not even making those. And the I don't remember who it was. The woman, the sideline reporter said um, that he was like visibly upset. And naturally, yeah, I probably would be too. Uh, and then he literally his first attempted three. I think it was his first two attempted threes. He knocked those down. So eventually, like they're NBA players, they're going to knock down those shots. You can't keep leaving them open. They're not Giannis. You don't want to live with those shots. Um, so that was that that sucked. And I think ultimately what that leads to is like this isn't new. This is something that we've always known about the Bucks this season. It's going to be a problem when you get into the playoffs, because when you look at Miami, the team who has the number one team three point percentage in the league. And I've long since said that I am the most scared of a Miami matchup exclusively because of that fact where, like, if you're playing the Rockets in a seven-game series, that's not going to happen every single game. With the Rockets, the Bucks are either winning by 30 or they're it's a close game, right? And last night we saw the latter. But that's not going to happen for seven games. With Miami, it could because that's what they do, right? That's, that's their game. Then you run into a team like even the Raptors, which is another matchup that you should be terrified of. They're fifth in the league in three-point percentage. You look at the Clippers, a potential final matchup. They're sixth. You just go down the list, and now you run into, like, the Sixers, and you can kind of roll your eyes a little bit there because they're only 14th. Um, the Lakers are 19th. And then even, like, the Rockets are 23rd. So, I mean, you only get so scared, right? But a lot of your top matchups are top 15 team three-point percentage teams. Uh, eventually, you got to figure something out. And, no, Dante's not going to play that way every single game. And George Hill's not going to play that way every single game. You'll seldom find an instance where George Hill and Dante DiVincenzo are bad. Uh, but that's that's unfortunately what the case was last night. I assume once the playoffs actually get started, and especially once we get into the later rounds, you're, you're not really going to see that once they're really warmed up. You know, one of them could have an off game. But, again, you'll seldom find uh, a, a time where they're both as bad as they were um moving forward though i mean chris middleton again like he was back like he showed us why we've been defending him so much He's trying to bump himself back up to the 50 40 90 guy uh and i'm never going to be worried about Giannis. he was this is another thing that uh, i forgot upset me about the game last night was when james harden goes out uh with 330 left in the first half with four fouls and the bucks are down six great there's an opportunity you have to capitalize here. This is your time. This is your moment. Uh, and then the Bucks go into the half down eight. I believe Giannis had five quick points, including an and one, brought it within one, and then the Rockets went into a half. That's actually exactly what happened. Then the Rockets went into the half with an eight-point lead, and you just can't let that happen. It's, I mean, 
it's really it was really discouraging. And I also I thought it was an interesting choice. And I, Snell season said the same thing. If Brooks not in the game, put Robin Lopez in the game. Well, I don't know why you wouldn't just stagger them. I guess I can see why, but and it almost worked the fact that they didn't do that. Robin Lopez hardly played at all. I think he had like two points. And Brook was amazing, so there was hardly ever reason to keep him out of the game unless he just needed a breather. Ultimately, I think the one thing that's important to note is something that I already said, that, you know, with seven games, this isn't going to happen. Like, the Rockets may get two or three of these. It's not going to happen for at least four, right? And much less for seven games, it's not going to be kept up. But the Rockets only need to win four, you know what I mean? Uh, the Bucks are going to be fine. I don't really think this is anything to be too worried about. Because, again, how often are you going to see everybody kind of fall apart like that? I just, I mean, we saw that they can take care of the Rockets. Or, I'm sorry, the Lakers. We saw that they can take care of the Clippers. We saw that they can take care of the Celtics. So, like, getting to the finals would probably be fine. And then assuming it's the Lakers, assuming it's the Clippers, we've seen them have success against those teams. Um, Eventually, you got to change something defensively. You just can't live with three-point shots. Like, it's great being one of the best, if not the best defensive team in the league, having the best, well, Brooke Lo- having a top three rim protector with Brooke Lopez. Is that fair to say? Top five. I feel more comfortable saying top five rim protector with Brooke Lopez. Maybe top three. I don't know. De- I debate it. To top five, definitively, if you say top three, I'm not going to argue with you. And then Giannis, who, by the approximation of most, will win Defensive Player of the Year this year. Uh... It's hard to argue they're not the best defensive team in the league, but you just, at some point, you got to guard the three-point line. All righty, folks, if you made it this far, thank you very, very much for listening. Uh, There's probably going to be some episodes between now and the lottery, but at this point, I just am waiting for that to happen because I don't care about anything else. Well, I'll probably just make a bunch of, well, I'm not going to make any Kings episodes because they suck. Uh, All righty, folks, I will catch you guys in the next one.